ultimately what preaching is all about. If the preaching doesn't help somebody, what purpose does it serve? Amen. So I pray that I can help somebody tonight. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful. Amen. That my grandma's here and my cousin. Amen. I don't often get to sing or preach for my grandma. Amen. But hopefully I can make her proud. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Amen. A familiar passage of scripture. Amen. I'll admit, I preached this message in Pratt a few weeks ago, amen, but I haven't been able to get it off my heart. I've still been thinking about it, and I normally am not, I don't preach things twice, normally, in the few times that I have preached, but I feel like God wants to use this message again. I believe he's going to. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Amen. I just want to preach tonight on the simple thought, the restorer. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask that he would move tonight. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I believe you're going to move in a mighty way in this house, oh God. Lord, you see every need in this place. Lord, whether it be a guest, whether it be a saint, God. Lord, you know every situation, God. You know every heart, God. I know that you're here to restore. I know that you're here to save and to deliver, God. Lord Jesus, I need your anointing upon me, God. I'm nothing, God, except what you make me, Jesus. And I need your anointing tonight, God. Lord, anoint our ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name, Lord God, I thank you for what you're going to do. I have an expectancy, God, that you're going to move in a mighty way. I believe you're going to do it, Jesus. I thank you for it. I praise you, Jesus. I lift you up, God. You are so worthy of the praise. You're good to us, God. I love you, Jesus, with all of my heart, with everything in my soul. I bless your great name, Jesus. You are so good to us, God. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I'm going to start off a little slow, talking about something familiar to most of us in our church, Brother Silas's Junkyard. I worked there for several years from the time I was, I think, 16 till I was about 18. And not every day, but whenever he needed somebody to pick up transmissions for him or load catalytic converters or batteries or whatever, that was my day to work. And it's hard work, it's dirty work, sometimes not a lot of fun, but you got to see a lot of cool stuff, a lot of, a lot of things that, it's a junkyard, so... Everybody would bring things there that 
they decided that was useless. They decided they could get more money out of it for scrap than they could selling it as something that was useful. It was time for it to be crushed and destroyed and be the end of its life. And I saw many pieces taken from cars and different things that people would bring in. I saw people, a man would bring in a car and weigh on the scale and they would give him a price for it and it would, the car would change hands and would become the junkyards. And it would sit there sometimes days, sometimes months, depending on how busy we were. And somebody would come in one day and say, hey, I need a part for such and such car. I see you have one. Could I take a mirror off of there? Could I take a door off of there? And sure, whatever. Of course, for a price. We'd ask a price for it. They'd take it, and somebody else would come, hey, I need a trunk. I need a lid for a trunk. And they'd take a trunk lid off the car. Somebody might take a tire. Somebody might take who knows what. And then somebody else would come in, and they would say, hey, you know, that car there, it's kind of rough. It has some rust on it. Maybe it has a broken windshield. It has a blown motor in it. But I see potential in that car. I see something that I could, I could restore and make new again. And that very car that other people had taken parts out of because it was useless, it was at the end of its life, sometimes people would come in and say, hey, I see life in that car still. I, I see something that can... It could be made useful again. It's going to take sweat, tears, a lot of money, probably more money than it was originally sold for. But I believe I can make something out of this car. Yeah. And they would pay us, pay Brother Silas, and load it up on their trailer, and we'd never see it again. Now I want to talk about Peter. Peter had a love for God. He had a lot of flaws. He was called by Jesus while he was doing his life's work. He was out fishing. He was a fisherman on a large sea, probably around the size of one of our great lakes here in the United States. Very big lake, not a small lake that you could just get to shore immediately, especially if you're depending on wind power and, and oars. If you don't have a motor except for human power, if you get caught in a storm, you're kind of stuck. And as such... Fishing, even still today, is a highly, highly dangerous job. It ranks up even higher than miners, construction workers. There's as many and more fishermen that lose their lives at work than miners, construction workers, etc. They're gone home for a long, gone from home for a long time. Sometimes the the men that depart from Maine or from Alaska, they're out for months at a time during the fishing season. Some of them are kidnapped, and, and they'll kidnap men from certain parts of the globe that are prone for human trafficking, and they'll stick them on these ships and enslave them, make them work for no pay. They'll work long, long hours. Peter may have worked sometimes up to 22 hours a day by the time he brought his catch in, he fished all night long, and then he would spend many hours during the day taking his fish to market, 
selling them, repairing his nets, then catch a few winks of sleep to prepare for the next night. And he would repeat it all over again. The pay, when you think about that, the pay probably wasn't that great back then. And even now, the, the pay is not good compared to the work that they're doing. I don't like working in the rain. I hate it. I don't work in the rain. I sit in the truck. <laughs> Peter didn't have that option. He was soaked all the time. When you're on the ocean, you're wet all the time. The little waves are this big. In Kansas, we get a wave that big, we go to shore usually. But Peter didn't have that option because that was his living. He didn't have any other option, so he was soaked all the time. He, lo- he may have been missing a finger. Those nets could become very heavy. There's many pinch points that if there was a pulley or something, and he was holding on to it at the wrong time, perhaps when he was a younger man, just learning, learning the trade. He may have lost a, lost a finger because it got stuck in between a rope and it snapped his finger off. Who knows? We don't know, but it's very, very possible. Got pro- assuredly got cut. Assuredly got cut from knives, filleting fish, bruised. I'm sure he had bruises falling down on the boat. It was the boat. If the deck of the boat is wet, I'm sure he got bruises from falling down. May have fallen overboard several times. He was awake all night. He may have even lost his dad out fishing. He may have even seen his dad fall overboard since the rate of fishermen's death is high. Back then, they didn't have OSHA to protect them. They just had their own common sense. But sometimes common sense doesn't do you any good when you get caught in the middle of a storm out on a lake. And who knows, maybe Peter watched his dad get washed overboard from a big wave and saw his his dad die. Who knows? We don't know, but it's very plausible. It's very possible. He was called by Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. God had a purpose for him. He followed Jesus, but it took him time to realize the true purpose of what God had in store for him. He was looking for perhaps an earthly kingdom. He said, he told Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never, never forsake you. I'll die with you. I'll, I'll do, do whatever you want. And Jesus said, no, Peter. He said, you savor the things of the world more than, the, than what you savor of me. He hit high points. We know that Peter was the one in Matthew chapter 16 that said that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And what joy, what what exuberance he must have felt when Jesus finally gave him some approval and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. He said, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. But we find several verses later. He was called the devil because his flesh got in the way again. And all these things in his life, his, his career may have broken him down, his family, who knows, back then, it was very possible to lose your child when it was young, your wife, whoever, because they didn't have medicine like we do today. Perhaps Peter lost family members. I'm sure at some point in his life, he did lose somebody very close to him before their time, what we would think their time today. He refused Jesus to wash his feet when Jesus 
was washing all the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. He said, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You're too good for that. I don't, I don't want you to touch my feet. And then Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. He said, Do you, you have to let me wash your feet. And then Peter practically jumped in the tub and said, well, wash, wash all of me. He said, well, I want the whole body washed. So he's very zealous in everything that he did. Perhaps he had the wrong ideas sometimes. Perhaps he made mistakes. We see in the garden when Jesus took him with, with him into the garden, he had, a, he had a sword on his side. And in the process of time, he fell asleep. Jesus reprimanded him and said, hey, can you not just pray with me for just a little bit? Peter said, no, okay, we'll, we'll try, we'll try proceeded to fail again several more times and woke up when the high priest and the, his servants came to arrest Jesus. And Peter took out that sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear. And we know the story well in John chapter 18 that Jesus picked the ear up off the ground and put it on the man. It was just yet another mistake that Peter had made. Something wrong Another thing wrong that Peter had done. He'd made another mistake. And then when Jesus was on trial, he followed Jesus from afar. And he got in to where Jesus was on trial. And he was sitting there by the fire warming his hands. And somebody said, hey, you kind of talk like Jesus. You kind of act like him. You know him? And of course, Peter undoubtedly had fear in his heart for what would happen to him if he said, yeah, I know him? He's, no, I don't know that guy. He's cra You're crazy. I don't, I don't look nothing like him. And somebody asked him again. He began to raise his voice. No, I don't know him. Leave me alone. I don't know who you're talking about. I've, I'm from the opposite end of the country. I'm just here for Passover. I don't know nothing about what you're saying. He hollered. He screamed. He cursed, perhaps even. Swore. He swore. He said, I don't know Jesus. He said, I don't know him. His very best friend, perhaps that he had undoubtedly that he had ever had in his life, he denied knowing his very best friend. Just another mistake that Peter had made. And then after Jesus died, he ran to look for Jesus. Somebody told him, hey, somebody stole Jesus' body. He's gone, he's gone, he's gone. So he went to look for him and said, well, the Romans... Probably thought the Romans took him because at that time, that's what they all thought. I just read it tonight. They, they were all thinking that Jesus had been taken by the Romans. And he, Jesus appeared to them. They were all hidden in a little room somewhere on the Sabbath day. On the, actually, on the first day of the week, I'm sorry. And they were praying and hiding out in secret. And Jesus appeared and said, hey... I'm still alive. I resurrected. I'm not stolen. Right. I haven't disappeared. Right. But Peter went back to his old way of life after that. He went back fishing because Jesus wasn't around. Not only did he go back to his old way of life, but he took others with him. He took other people with him. He took people out back to that old way, the rough way of life. Just another mistake. And then Jesus appeared on the shore. He said, hey, have you guys caught anything tonight? 
And they said, no, we haven't caught nothing. Fish ain't biting. Jesus said, hey, well, why don't you cast your nets out on the right side of the boat? And they cast it out and began to attempt to pull it in. And because there's so many fish, they couldn't pull it in. And at that point, they realized, oh, okay, that's probably Jesus. So somebody said, hey, that's Jesus. And Peter jumped out, threw a coat on. The Bible says he was naked. He threw a coat on and jumped out of the boat and swam to shore because he realized just another mistake that I've made. He's like, I'm trying to hide what I've done. He swam up to the shore, and Jesus fed him. Jesus didn't condemn him. He fed him first. Then Jesus asked Peter, he said, hey, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter said, well, yeah, God, of course I do. Yes, Jesus, of course I do. I, I really do love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter probably was like, okay, okay, I'll feed your sheep. And then Jesus asked him again. He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said again, yes, Lord. And Jesus asked him a third time, and I'm sure Peter thought in his mind, he's, he said, he's asking me three times. I denied him three times. And the connection was made in his mind. Peter, Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you love me, Peter? It smote him in the heart. He said, yes, Lord, I really do, really do love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. That's not the end of the story with Peter. He made a lot of mistakes. He failed a lot. We find him on the day of Pentecost receiving the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And not only did he receive the Holy Ghost, but in spite of all of his failures, in spite of all of his mistakes that Peter had made, God chose him to preach the plan of salvation, to give us the plan of repentance, of baptism in Jesus' name, of infilling with the Holy Ghost. Now I want to talk about Jesus, how he's like the restorer. As we read, he was anointed, is anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. God created us originally to worship him. We are his delight, the Bible says. We're his hobby. We're what he enjoys working on. There's nothing more that he enjoys than interacting with us and working on us and making us better, making us more like him. Jesus had a lot of better options out there, but he kept dealing with Peter because it was worth the trouble to him. He said, you know, I could, Jesus could have chose somebody that was perfect, but he didn't. He chose Peter because he knew the potential that was inside of Peter. So in spite of all the things that Peter had done, even, just, even to Jesus, all the mistakes that happened between Peter and Jesus, all the times that Peter failed Jesus, Jesus said, I'm still going to work on him. I'm still going to help him because I see a purpose. I see a plan for him. He could have found somebody exactly perfect. They took a lot less work. But Jesus said, no, he's worth saving. We're worth saving. 
You and I, we're here today by God's grace. It's only by God's grace that we're here today. I'm thankful that God chose me, that he called me out of darkness, that he gave me marvelous light. Me and you, like Peter, we're, we're wrecked. We're useless human beings. Satan will use us. He'll abuse us. And then he'll toss us aside when we no longer serve his purposes. When he can no longer squeeze anything out of us, he takes us to the junkyard throws us to the side and says, I don't need them no more. They're done. Their purity's gone. Their mental state is destroyed. It's all gone. I don't have no more use for them. They're worthless. I'll throw them in the trash. I'll go get another one. I'll go destroy somebody else. But I preach the same message to you that Peter did to the Jews at Pentecost. That if your life has been torn apart, that if your life has been broken, that you, if you've been minimized, if you've been cast aside like a car in a junkyard, I know a God that wants to restore you tonight. I know that a God that wants to make you an even better quality than what you were when you were first born. It doesn't matter what it cost him. It doesn't matter the pain that he's going to have to go through. It doesn't matter how long it takes. God's here tonight to restore But you have to allow him to. You've got to allow yourself to let God in. The music can come. You've got to open up your heart. You've got to say, here I am, Jesus. I've had things happen in my life that aren't so good. I've made mistakes, God. I've done things wrong before. I've done a whole lot of things wrong, Jesus. I'm sorry, God. I've done it. I admit to it. But I repent of my sins. I'm going to change, Jesus. That's what you got to say. You got to say, God, I want you to restore me. I want you to make me new again. And when you begin to ask God that, he forgives you. And then he begins the process of restoration. He fills you with the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. I believe God can do it tonight. Why don't we stand to our feet? Amen. I believe God wants to restore somebody. It doesn't matter if you've walked with God a long time. It doesn't matter if you're new. If you've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. God wants to do it tonight. Why don't we all come to the front? Let God do that act of restoration. Let Him refill you. Let him touch you. Let him fill you with the Holy Ghost again. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for doing it, God. Hallelujah.
Hey!